Sunset Squared as a partnership should be one of the world's leading innovation clusters, if clusters is the right term. We've already got a collaborative research base, you know, collectively that's the same size as Oxford or Cambridge or UCL, and therefore, you know, any of Europe's leading university clusters. Our spin-out numbers today are already on a par with Cambridge, not that far behind Oxford. So collectively, the scale is there. Set Squared has achieved something few have. It's built an ecosystem that spans six institutions across England and Wales, and a programme that provides end-to-end support to founders both within and without the universities. Banding together means the six universities don't just rival their peers in London, Oxford or Cambridge, its portfolio companies have raised some £4 billion to date, but in some areas are setting the pace. Bristol, for example, is responsible for a third of all quantum computing companies in the UK. Marty Reed, Interim Executive Director of Set Squared, sees potential in sectors that may be less obvious too, such as creative industries. Indeed, he argues technologies like immersive gaming could have far-reaching implications, even in sectors like healthcare. But Set Squared doesn't just want to be for founders. It recently won a £1.5 million award from Research England to transform and enable tech transfer at its member institutions, helping them to engage investors earlier and forge more fruitful relationships. And those investors can know that they'll get an incredibly diverse offering. Some of Set Squared's members have already reached near parity of funding going into women-founded startups, and the rest is catching up fast. Marty has immediate, tangible advice for any tech transfer officer looking to do the same. My name is Thierry Hales. Let's look beyond the breakthrough. Marty, welcome. Hi, Thierry. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. To start with, can you give me an overview of Set Squared with some headline figures, if you have those? For sure. So Set Squared is a partnership of six research-intensive universities from across the west and south of the UK in a rough geographical spread at Cardiff, Bristol, Bath, Exeter, Southampton and Surrey. And our universities collaborate on all things innovation and entrepreneurship and supporting new talent and companies to emerge from university pipelines in the cities they belong to. So we run and work on a portfolio of programs from training for entrepreneurial researchers, engagement on student enterprise across the institutions. Our six business accelerators based in each of the cities that the universities are in, collaboration between the universities themselves and startups from much wider backgrounds. And increasingly, sector-focused programs connecting and partnering with industry, larger research programs to try and join the dots all the way through. Just to give you a sense of scale, all that adds up to supporting over four or 500 founders a year across our six regions. And in terms of output impact, the companies we've supported this year will have passed four billion in venture funding and grant funding raised in the history we've been working together. That is quite a lot of money. I'm sure we'll dive into a few of those things over the course of the conversation anyway. But what makes a founder eligible to participate in your programs? Do they have to be a student or researcher at one of the six universities? No, and I guess that's probably what's a little bit different about Set Squared and occasionally makes it hard to pin down exactly what we are because we're partnering on the real end-to-end of founder support. We've almost got a dropping point in for 
anyone on their journey. Naturally, there's a real focus on training, developing, finding the next generation of entrepreneurial researchers. So we have a huge focus on spin-out companies. We deliver Innovate UK's iCure program for a large part of the country. So our own universities and universities beyond our own regions. Any student will have support and access from their own university student enterprise team. And our accelerators, which is probably what we're best known for, those are the Set Squared Bristol, Set Squared Exeter physical centres that people know if they've been to any of our regions. Generally, those are a really good split between university talent, which has emerged either student or startup or spin-out companies, or companies from their city regions. And that balance of internal and external talent has always been really important, you know, for peer grouping, attracting interest of investors fresh ideas, exchanges of talent. I think it's much richer because it's a real balance. But yeah, really, any entrepreneur or venture from idea stage in a university through to a scale-up with ambition to connect and work in one of our regions will find a program that's right for them. What does, if such a thing as a typical journey exists in Set Squared, what would that look like if a founder approached you? There probably isn't, you know, with entrepreneurs, there's never one typical journey. Our dream journey, you know, for my uh, senior university stakeholders would be really talented researcher or research group who have discovered something incredibly exciting. Let's say in a quantum research laboratory, they would pass through or be eligible for the iCure program, which supports market discovery, gets them to their first hundred potential customers to understand and shape how that concept could be applied in real life markets. They're guided through that. They then work with a tech transfer office to start that spin-out process, attract initial investment. Our tech transfer offices, again, have a collaboration across SetSquared, so they've got much further reach and sharing experience. After the spin-out journey, they could drop into the business accelerator in the city region that is a best fit for them. And often we've got quite a bit of movement between our regions. You know, we have companies spinning out of Bristol and setting up in Southampton to be closer to a customer or talent base or just personal regions. In the accelerator, they'd be really guided through and up to Series A. So it's a patient incubation support program designed around the founders needing what they need at any point in time. It isn't your 12-week all come in in one stage and all exit at a certain stage. And then if they're continuing to grow and scale and they line up with one of our new sector programs, There might be further follow-on support and engagement to help connect with larger industry and do R&D collaborations and partnership back into the universities. And then down the line, we would hope, and I've seen growing numbers of those companies, whether they've exited, whether they've been acquired, the, the talent and leadership from that company starting the journey again, but from a mentoring and a support perspective back in. So, you know, there's a few that have gone through that whole linear journey, but each of those stages, we see talent companies jumping in and jumping out to hopefully scale and make the most impact they can. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I think that's probably an important note to make for listeners as well. So Squared is not just an accelerator. As you said, you don't come in for 12 weeks, you get thrown out, demo day, goodbye, never see you again sort of deal. It's very much an end-to-end. Well, it can be end-to-end if that is what the founders want and need. Indeed, yeah. And it is really, it's a big collaboration to make sure there's support for whatever kind of founders need at different times. And yeah, and often I think we should encourage that we see our founders going and get support from elsewhere as well. The most successful ones, the ones that are scaling up, will almost certainly go off to a national program 
based on their sector to find a broader peer group as that scale up stage. But hopefully they'll continue to connect back into the original support they came from. Yeah. People who listened to your description of Setscript earlier will have caught the fact that it's all six universities outside the Golden Triangle in the UK. Are there specific challenges operating outside of this area? And are they the same across, say, Cardiff and Southampton, or are they different in each university? Yeah, there's definitely challenges in terms of you know operating it in regional clusters. I mean, we'd probably characterize them in terms of challenges that will be familiar to any accelerator university or startup themselves. You know, it comes down to finding routes to market, access to finance and funding, and access to talent. There's been great progress in all of those in our clusters. You know, thinking of funding, there's been huge movement forward in the UK ecosystem of seeing investors, angel groups emerging, and public funding going to regional clusters. We've seen it ourselves. You know, that four billion headline figure has taken a while to build up, but shows investors are looking outside. But relative to any of the individual spots in the Golden Triangle, naturally, there is an equity gap that still exists today. And there's less, although we've got great angel groups, there is less mature angel groups at scale who have members who are ready and willing to go and look at deep tech, for example, because it's higher risk. Or there are a number of really good case studies, but overall less venture capital firms physically based inside the clusters here. Now, it's easy to say that investors go and look for deal flow anywhere they do, but there is a big upside to having firms that get to know the clusters, get to know the programs, get to know the founders, because they can start offering that parochial advice, that informal advice at an earlier stage, understand deal flow, help founders. So the ones that have, and we've got some great organizations, you know, Bristol, where I'm based, Mercia have an office, Quantex have a team now. I think the firms that have made the move are really seeing great pipeline opportunities emerging, but there is less there. And on the talent front, Every startup, every program is going to say the race for talent's hard. If I was to pick a specific point, it's the experienced managerial talent who have done it before. With our reach and scale, we have an incredible mentor network of experienced second, third, fourth time entrepreneurs to engage and support our programs. It's really built on that. But there is a difference between that and a depth of managerial or non-exec talent to join the companies and commit. You know, we've scaled hugely, so we've always got more demand. And we still do struggle sometimes with finding, say, a founder who has taken through as an exited once or twice, who could then join in and do it again, or be a manager to join a scaling company. Because that experience of the challenges of scaling a business, particularly in the type of deep tech that we tend to focus on, is a really niche set of skills. And we could do with a lot more depth than that. In terms of Across the partnership, naturally, there's some variances. You know, the Surrey cluster is very different to the Bristol cluster, different to the Cardiff one in challenges and scale. So, you know, Bristol and Bath are a bit more mature. Exeter is progressing really well. But I guess those differences is kind of why SetSquared exists. We're trying to, through infrastructure collaboration, facilitating connection, help bridge those gaps. You know, when investors come to look at SetSquared, we're supporting them find what opportunities they want to look for right across our patch to make it much easier for them overall. So we hope we're trying to fill some of those gaps. On that note, then, what are the opportunities that you have that may or may not exist in the Golden Triangle? 
A really obvious one is with the equity gap, with unmet potential, there are huge investment opportunities that aren't fully exploited. It's not as simple as saying there's better value deals overall because you know every company will have its value, but in a way there is. For investors to engage and look, they can find some deal potential pipeline at an earlier stage in really exciting and critical areas. So our growing clusters tend to be things like quantum technologies. In hydrogen and sustainable transport, there is tens of millions going into R&D at the moment in programs that we've plugged acceleration into from day one. So for talent, for investors, if they want to get in at an earlier stage, explore and understand opportunities from a really broad arena, you know, from the Southampton to the Cardiff clusters and collaborative things in between, coming and engaging with the SetSquared partnership in our regions, there's some great opportunities to be had. And against the balance to what I just mentioned about talent, if someone's looking for their opportunity to come and make a new career, find businesses to be part of and grow, there is huge potential here to come and do that. Much less competition for them potentially as well than trying to find that gig in London or Oxford. Indeed. And in a way, the natural collaborative spirit means there's less of a competitive edge. Like that isn't to say there's not ambition. There's huge ambition and naturally competition exists. But the clusters across set squared and between the set squared clusters of, you know, Bristol Exeter and so on, the collaborative nature of it that's been fostered means that people can often find a way to what they're looking for, for the opportunities that are right for them, for the help for them. When I moved from the airspace cluster in my old career into this space, and particularly in Bristol, I was quite blown away by how willing and supportive people were from day one. And you almost take it for granted here until you go to Cambridge and go back to London and are reminded that that spirit of supporting one another, even across competitors, isn't there everywhere. Building on that, are there any key lessons that Sid Squared has learned in its 20 plus years? And I realise you have not been around for the last 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And gosh, trying to distill them down is hard. Going back to the collaboration point, collaborating on as much of an equitable footing as you can with organisations inside and outside your clusters is absolutely key. Building out from universities, particularly really prestigious universities, it occasionally reminds me of my days in a corporate where naturally, culturally, there's a little bit of whether it's ego and edge of arrogance, because you are amongst the best of the best. But when you're thinking about a national or an international scale, you need to take that with a little bit of humility as well. And it's always dangerous to generalize and talk in organizations in this way as if they're a person, but there is some of that that knowing when and be willing to listen and collaborate and partner can make you an awful lot more than the sum of your parts when you're directing and steering and trying to create projects and programs. And we'd like to continue moving in that direction and doing more of that. And probably the other thing is with the entrepreneurs themselves, you know, we talked of a typical journey earlier. There isn't a typical journey and making the entry and exit points and support as bespoke as you can while making it affordable and high quality for entrepreneurs to navigate is really key. Nobody owns an entrepreneur. When programs put out press releases, they often talk about our members, our companies. You know, we do it as well. But as long as you recognize and know that your job is to help those entrepreneurs on a bigger journey and be part of that, rather than thinking they should always be, you know, yours somehow, I think is really key. 
That's true, actually. I have never really picked up on the fact that they talk about our companies. Which makes sense that they would talk about it in that way. But yeah, I like that you point out the fact that they can't think of them as their property. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Entrepreneurs no. <laughs> definitely wouldn't think like that. Speaking of collaboration, Z-Squared was a membership of five for the longest time. Cardiff University joined as number six in 2021. Can you talk a little bit about how the addition of Cardiff has reshaped Z-Squared, if it has, and what Z-Squared impact has been on Cardiff? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of my time, I was with the Bristol branch of Set Squared and Bristol University for about three years and then have been in this post in wider Set Squared for just coming up to one now. So I have seen the process of Cardiff joining and steadily still going through the process of integrating and making most of the community and it has been fantastic. Any established collaboration A large new partner joining in the right spirit and the right way can be a breath of fresh air. You know, from, I guess, the benefits of scale, there's a real upside. You know, Cardiff as a university has brought large, incredibly ambitious and talented research base and student community, a university that is really going places with lots more potential. So extra talent. And from the city cluster as well, South Wales has hugely talented and fast-growing wider science and tech community with some real strengths. Semiconductors is the one people would often know about, which bring great balance and great extra benefit and reach to the partnership. For our founders who are already in the program, we're already seeing examples of companies at the scale-up stage co-locating between Cardiff and Bristol, between Cardiff and Southampton. We've got a number of collaborative R&D programs that SetSquared have supported where Cardiff have bid alongside the other SetSquared partners. We've had a few announcements. That hydrogen program I mentioned, the South Wales cluster is key to. So there's all those technical elements. And yeah, the founders are finding opportunities and funding and talent on both sides of the bridge, as we would say in the Bristol and Bath part of SetSquared. But culturally as well, as a collaboration, the leadership at Cardiff University with a fresh ambition, fresh ideas, and a real willingness to want to make the most of something. You know, for them, the Set Square Partnership is new. It's all opportunity. And that's quite infectious. It's infectious for me. It's infectious for their peers. So it's added energy and really is helping us look forward to continue growing. That is really good to hear. Being a person that lives in Cardiff, um, (laughs) I like this ecosystem to do well. I don't think there are any plans to bring on a seventh member. Not from the conversations that we have had before. You're quite happy with six where you are at the moment. But do you see yourself collaborating with other universities on specific programs or initiatives? Yes, that's really important to us, actually. It's an explicit priority for the Set Squared partners. On the former point, in terms of core membership, we get asked this a lot. There is a point at which governance, connection, the active collaboration between the partners becomes more challenging the larger you get. But being open and then actively seeking opportunities to collaborate with other universities that aren't in the core set squared partnership, we really do want to do. And we think there's lots of benefits to doing so. There already is. All of the set squared universities already have collaborations more widely with other national and international institutions. But as a grouping in set squared, even though we don't fall into one specific geographic region, we kind of hug the West and South of the UK. There's a lot of fantastic universities and institutions with complementary strengths we could do more in working with. You know, in Bristol, where I am, there's 
a real growing engagement between the University of Bristol and the University of West of England, there's some active projects, and there was no reason why they couldn't broaden to wider set squared activity. The same, you know, further down the South Coast, whether it's Reading, whether it's Plymouth, great institutions, and I'm really open, and the set squared university leadership are really open and wanting to do more. Yeah. Taking a bigger picture from that, then zooming out, what is your overall vision for the future of set squared? What does this look like in five, 10 years, say? I mean, ultimately, probably simply, set squared as a partnership should be one of the world's leading innovation clusters, if clusters is the right term. We've already got a collaborative research base, you know, collectively, that's the same size as Oxford or Cambridge or UCL, and therefore, you know, any of Europe's leading university clusters. Our spin-out numbers today are already on a par with Cambridge, not that far behind Oxford. So collectively, the scale is there. And this isn't a partnership that's been drawn together by dots and a map saying, we're a region, so let's work together. It's been built on 20 years. So with that base, but also, you know, the unmet potential we talked about in terms of an equity gap, SetSquid as a partnership should and can hit those heights of being right up there and seen collectively as a major European, as one of the most important European clusters. Specifically, I'd love us to do more in the spin-out space. I think that's a massive area of opportunity that we haven't quite met our potential yet. And at the other end, partly based on my own background from corporate innovation, more active work in helping large industrials and corporates navigate and engage in and fund entrepreneurial and innovative talent coming through startup and spin-out ecosystems. I think that's an area I'd love to bridge more as well. You've mentioned that you are starting to launch specific sector programs. Are there any sectors that you are particularly excited about or that you think will be important for Set Squared? Definitely. The risk of uh, naming ones will be that there will definitely be one director of research or director of enterprise I offend by not mentioning their favorite area. But in terms of the active areas, they are grouped somewhat into challenge themes. And at the risk of naming three areas that could cover everything, strategic priorities are contributions towards net zero, the future of health, and transformative digital technologies. But I guess being more specific under those headings, Hydrogen and sustainable transport is a massive area. The UK government have placed it as a priority, and there is an incredible depth of talent, infrastructure, and capabilities emerging across the west and southwest of the UK, particularly at the application end, you know, in vehicles, in aviation. So that's a huge area of interest. Quantum technology is one that's definitely growing from primarily the Bristol cluster, but huge interest in photonics from Southampton. One program in Bristol, it's my favorite stats, the Quantum Tech Enterprise Center, a Bristol program has created a third of all active quantum companies in the UK today. Wow. And so that heritage of capability in creating founders is important. Cybersecurity really jumps out as an area where there's lots of great talent today, but we could do an awful lot more health innovation, I'm going to end up naming them all in the end, but health innovation, joining the dots between life sciences and products and devices, again, huge breadth and also massive upfront investment into R&D just now. So I guess that's probably where Set Squared is a bit exciting and stands out that we as a partnership are able to support the bids for collaborative research and development programs 
and we've been plugging in that, those innovation entrepreneurial training early on. So I guess we've got sight of where we see the early stage investment to try and follow it through because that's where those companies can emerge from. And perhaps actually one last area that gets me excited because it maybe jumps out that could be a bit different to some of the other traditional university clusters would be creative technologies. So there are two major strength in places programs with big UK government funding have gone into Wales and into the West of England. And these are blending not just the great talent coming through the arts and production and film side, but investment into real hard and deep tech, such as immersive technologies, volumetric filming, specific data science and data processing that goes around gaming and film technology. There's a major gaming cluster research emerging in Surrey to join it up. The future of immersive film, immersive games, all of that's great, but all of that technology is so readable over into manufacturing, into factories of the future, into health technologies of the future, from training platforms of the future. So as an emerging sector of creative tech that has a growth in its own markets in film and game with the Netflixes and Amazons of this world starting to really put cash in and help develop the new immersive experiences, the spillover into other sectors. And the fact that it's by its nature innovative and multidisciplinary, you know, we're getting art students joining joining startups alongside data scientists and and you know maybe in the future engineering biologists. What's coming out of that could be really, really cool and genuinely world leading. That is really cool, actually. That kind of made me sit upright and properly. Not that I haven't been listening to you, but that's kind of like, oh, that's that is different. That is very cool. How do you think the relationship between talking about spinouts between investors and tech transfer offices is going to evolve? And is that something where Set Squared is looking to play a role, or are you steering clear of that? It's a huge area of opportunity. You know, mentioning earlier that we have a real specific ambition to support and drive more spinouts. Working and enabling and empowering the tech transfer offices and the commercialization infrastructure is a really key part of it. We're seeing huge uplifts in funding going into research and development. As I said, we've seen huge investment in the infrastructure to support startups, scale-ups. But there's that piece in the middle. Those tech transfer offices that help the deals get done, they're remarkable groups given how scarce the resources are, how niche the skill sets are. You know, the people that work in there have to be scouts. They have to look for the next big thing. They've got to be mentor to often challenging and very ambitious academics. They've got to be commercial people to start doing the deals of spin-out and they've got to attract investment. So it's always been a pinch point, particularly in UK universities in terms of resources and talent. So we're really excited. Just at the timing of this is great because just in the last couple of weeks, we had confirmation that we've been successful in a bid into Research England for one and a half million to transform and enable tech transfer across the set, set squared partnership. We already had communities of practice and engagement. This is going to put the resources in to really help them and enable them to step up. So that's going to include training pathways for tech transfer academy of sorts. It's not called that, but the flow of talent in and out of research groups, tech transfer, and importantly, the investor community, back to your original question. I mean, at the set squared end of things, 
we're going to be looking to enable and engage investors to help develop standards and toolkits and deal templates and really just deepen relationships with tech transfer across the partnership so they can see deals earlier and start guiding deals earlier and ultimately at the end have tools and commercial templates to make those deals much much quicker that is exciting congratulations on winning that bid i think i somehow missed that actually it's been a wild couple of weeks <laughs> yeah it, well, it's, it's been i guess just this timing of this part of the year and this part of the political cycle there is a lot of announcements going on just now yeah there really is and we're still waiting for the spin-out review so at this point we're recording yeah and, and in a way the spin-out review this project kind of highlights that uk universities in general and you know obviously I know the set squared ones well we're ready for transforming spinouts already we don't know all the detail that's going to come out in that review but from the engagement and openness with which the universities have thrown themselves into it it's an area that they're excited to progress on you know and our project kind of represents that is the more and easier support we can have for the spinout process is better for everyone yeah yeah absolutely set squared also has a strong focus of working with external partners I should disclose that you've been working with us for a few years now. You've been bringing your startups to our events for pitching sessions. You also work with the UK Business Angels Association and others, though. What does Set Square get out of these partnerships? I guess it's related to some things that we mentioned earlier. Partnerships with wider and external organisations are just essential to bring greater support and networks to help our founder base. Whether it's trying to bridge connections with corporate venture, whether it's engaging with yourself on understanding what other university venturing groups or those that focus on that are doing, with UKBAA bridging connections and facilitating connections and engagement with angel networks nationally. As an organization, we can't do everything ourselves. We've got really wide reach, but ultimately we sit at the heart of the university and innovation ecosystem. We develop and provide support and focus on the entrepreneurs. So working with wider organizations that represent venture capital, represent angels. We've got good relationships with a number of industry bodies, you know, such as in the aerospace sector. All of that just brings experience connections to make that cluster approach even stronger. We sometimes say you need a platform approach. Our role when we partner with these organizations is to make open platform so that entrepreneurs at any point can get access to what they need. And looking outwards, it's the same. With investors, they need the support in the same way that founders themselves do. Angel investors, when they're trying to understand whether and where to put their money, usually literally their own money, need confidence. They need training. Now, Set Squared ourselves aren't the best people to do that. So we'll go and partner and work with the organizations that they trust and know to help, just to help make the network and the clusters connect even better. Yeah. You also have plans to transform your showcase event coming up in December. What is the new event going to look like and why are you changing the way that it works? Actually, the change to our investor showcase, now called Investment Futures, transforming it is an example of what I was just saying about listening to and engaging with wider networks. Our showcase has always been really important in terms of giving companies from across the partnership access to a really large platform. We do it in London, which might seem odd, given you know all my talk about focusing on clusters in the Southwest, the South and Wales. But 
we recognize that you need to bring the entrepreneurs to where the investors are most likely to see them and be. And it complements the work of bringing investors in. But after a large number of years of doing it, how investors engage and look at companies is developing. A showcase is often all about that two, three, four minute pitch. But investors, that's not how they're going to decide on making an investment or doing a deal. If we're doing our job properly in terms of promoting, sharing opportunities of these companies, investors should already be aware of Set Squared. They should be aware of the pipeline and have these routes in. So responding a bit to that and responding to investors themselves saying they have a little bit of death by pitch event at the moment. Pitch event fatigue one said, we're transforming them into a part showcase. There'll still be incredible companies on show from across the partnership, but much more into a conference style event. We're hoping to add more value to the investor communities themselves as well. So we're going to have roundtables and discussion forums on the challenges of the spin-out process and working with tech transfer on diversity and inclusion and, and what progress has been made and what more can be done to generate better impact and returns for everybody on sector programs, corporate venturing. We want to add a lot more value to the investor community themselves in engaging. Now, and none of that will be at the detriment to the founders on show because one, it should attract more engaged investors. And secondly, it should encourage and help and support the investors to go and look for these kind of opportunities in the most cutting edge areas that we're trying to highlight in the first place. It sounds like it'll be a really good event. I should see if I can make the time to come down to London. It's so far, London. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nice. It is nice when we talk and people say it's so far to London rather than us always hearing it a bit the other way around. But even though it's far, it is as a location for all of our different centres. It's as easy to get to as, say, Surrey coming up to Cardiff or vice versa. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. I understand why you're doing it in London, even if Bristol or Cardiff would be much more convenient for some people <laughs> who shall remain unnamed. <laughs> Indeed. Although the nice thing is that the London showcase is just one point, but you know we also have uh, Southampton, we support Venture Fest South, and Bristol have a Set Square Bristol showcase, and Cardiff undoubtedly will be doing something soon. So the London showcase is it's designed to complement the regional initiatives as well. Again, that maximizing opportunity for the founders to get seen and get heard. I suppose an obvious question arising from taking your companies to investors is why does Set Square not have a fund and are there plans to raise a fund? Yes, so this is an area we've actively been looking at actually for a couple of years. I mean, if you look at the obvious example being Northern Gritstone, that team, that collection of Northern Universities have done incredible work in successfully raising a fund. And there's another example, Midlands have announced ambitions, but we get that SetSquare jumps out. And actually, being fully open, this is something we started working on at about the same time as the Northern Gritstone did, uh, almost exactly the same time. But we've had our ups and downs, which have led to us not quite announcing the fund yet. We do have a real ambition to make a step change in venture capital that's connected deeply to our university ecosystem and university pipelines. It's just really important. Venture capital funding that doesn't just focus on a region, but has a deep connection with those pipelines of talent, it helps support and stimulate the growth. So most of our companies are in areas coming out of research, you know, as we mentioned, quantum, 
the immersive end of creative tech, engineering biology. You need investors that are deeply connected to them, have the right patient approach. They can engage, they can support the development of those companies, as well as just putting cash in. A tied fund is more likely to do that. But actually, from the other way around, if you're a researcher and with some incredible tech or innovation that you could commercialize, to make the jump and spin out is a massive risk. You know, you're giving up your research career, you're betting on a commercial world that you might not understand. So the existence of a venture capital fund that you trust, that the people advising you trust, that you would see would have similar or at least aligning values with your own. Ultimately, researchers, they want to scale their innovation to make positive impact in the world. If you have a fund that aligns with that and can demonstrate that they're looking to do that through a commercial route, it will stimulate an increased number of spinouts, we believe, not just reaching capital to the ones that need it today. So all of that, it is very important for us to make a step change in connected and aligned venture capital fund and set squared. With timing, I can't quite announce and uh, talk through specifics today because we are right in the middle of an ongoing process, but we will be making some announcements on our ambitions in this space before the end of the year. Amazing. I look forward to being able to find out more when you're able to share more. <laughs> and I think that is quite a good teaser that something is coming and is in the works. You already mentioned diversity a couple of times over the course of the conversation. How does Set Squared fare in terms of equity, diversity and inclusion? Across Set Squared as a whole, really openly, we face a lot of the same challenges as the wider science and technology industry. Participation, membership and specifically investment into underrepresented founders is horrendous in the sector as a whole. You know, I probably don't need to trip through all the statistics of how little cash at the end of the pipeline goes into, whether it's female-led companies, founders from different ethnic diversity, from different neurodiversity, is something that needs enormous work. And we've got a huge focus on it. Across Set Squared, you know, with being such a diverse organization in terms of place, size, background ourselves, there is a real mix of progress on this. We have a wide range of programs and support and activities to try and make a difference, but it is patchy and we definitely need to do more to make sure that the accessibility to our programs and then ultimately the success of businesses in those programs is better. But there is some really good areas of progress. I was to pick a couple in Southampton, the Catalyst program, which is the Set Squared Accelerator, going up to Series A stage. Last year was around 50% in terms of gender balance. And in Bristol is probably the cluster and center that's made the most active progress on this. And I can speak about that in a little bit more detail because I was a part of that journey from my time there in terms of seeing and carrying on great work that my predecessors had done. Ultimately, I think we are seeing a step change in terms of investors, supporters, organizations finally getting the absolute commercial imperative of supporting diversity and organizations coming through. There may be still some out there who challenge the moral imperative of it being the right thing to do in general. But to be honest, if we spent our time worrying about dinosaurs, then we'd probably be working in paleontology instead of an innovation entrepreneurship. But the, just the statistical fact that 
ventures and companies that have diverse leadership teams and positive policies around having diverse teams, they just perform better. They give better returns to investors in cash, in scale, in exits. There's probably the most work done in terms of gender in different minoritized ethnic backgrounds. More evidence is emerging of the same. The work done into different neurodiversities of being huge advantages for uh, companies, particularly in technical disciplines. The evidence of that commercial imperative is mounting. And I think what we've seen is leaders grabbing it across the patch and making it part of their business strategy. And when that happens, that's when we're starting to see the difference. Because at that point, if DNI isn't an add-on because you feel it's the right thing to do, but if it's reviewed with the same seriousness as finance, as your market, as your HR policy, which it should be baked into all of those, then it becomes something that gains traction moving. So in Bristol, particularly, there's been a real journey from around seven, eight years ago when Bristol was below the average for the tech sector in terms of representation in the program. You know, you're talking single digit percentages of female founders on the programs. Awful. Through to today, where it's approaching 50% in terms of gender balance of founders, in terms of founders from minoritized ethnic backgrounds made up around a quarter of companies in the last year or so that I was there and I can remember the statistics. And I guess more excitingly, last year, funding and investment raised of the 80 or million so raised in the Bristol Accelerator, 45% was from women-founded companies. Now, given that stat nationally, I think is still around 10% or so, something has happened, but it's been a steady journey of research on barriers and interventions and bringing in, back to our point of collaboration, bringing in external expertise to bluntly review and suggest where things need to change. So there was a barrier to access to the programs. So now for the third year running, there's been a collaboration with NatWest to fund the Enterprising Women program, which is a pre-incubator with much lower barriers to entry to support women with idea stage ventures at a broader arenas than just the tech, which is the focus of the Bristol Accelerator. There's a bursary program for founders from minoritized ethnic backgrounds to lower the cost of joining the incubator first. There is now research going on in the team there into neurodiverse founders. And it's just a continuous journey to keep chipping away and making a difference. A really, really simple one, though, and I've gone a little bit, a simple one that everyone could do now in this year is that all that work, you know, my predecessor, as I said, I can't take credit for bringing them in. There was great leaders that came before me. But the first thing they did was bring in a consultant to review all of the Set Squared Bristol team's website and application process for language in terms of are there barriers to people from different backgrounds and rewrote the entire thing probably do doing it again, actually, given how these things change. And that's something an organization could do right away. As long as you get the right specialist partner to support you, it doesn't need research and a lot of time to do it. It just needs commitment and a recognition something needs to change. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I really quite like your point about really bluntly looking at what you could actually change. Like I've had people on, I think it was Mark Saddam from New York University talked about they realized that the time that they had set aside for people to come in 
was a time when women traditionally weren't available because they still quite often were the people that had to pick children up from school and having all these other responsibilities. And that's something that you really kind of, you need to sit down and then look, well, is 12 o'clock a good time for everyone? Or do we need to do it at, I don't know, 2pm or 8am? Yeah, the pre-accelerator, pre-incubator, enterprising women, that is exactly the experience that was adopted there, that the sessions are a mix of morning, afternoon and evening to be more flexible, to try and reach more people. And, you know, you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach in any demographic, but just listening and learning and adapting those and being flexible. The really lovely little case study, just to mention as a final point on this, is that the original specialist consultant who came in and reviewed and rewrote all of Set Squared Bristol's processes and marketing material has since gone through one of the programs and is now a founder on the Set Squared Bristol program themselves. It's an incredible founder called Joanne Boyce, whose company is called Include, and they are well worth looking up if people want to start this journey. But, you know, she's partnered up with AI and data scientists and is now starting to scale, hopefully scale that venture from having come and looked and been the one to be that pair of eyes in our program in the first place. That is a really cool story. I like that. We are coming up to the end of the time that we have, but I do want to ask you as well. You were at Set Squared Bristol before that. You were director of the engine shed in Bristol as well. And before that, you were at Future Space. And before that, you were, as you said, in the corporate world, you worked for Rolls-Royce. What brought you to this area? What piqued your interest in university innovation? I mean, yes, I was 10 years with Rolls-Royce and I had an incredibly varied career. It was fabulous. From being an engineer of dubious standards from the early days to working in corporate strategy, and I got to work all over the world in different projects. But, you know, there's almost that classic story of becoming jaded with what you do, working for a large organization, international organization for the shareholders particularly as I was doing a lot of work in aerospace and the defense sector, that there is those moments when you think, well, after 10 years, if I commit to another more senior role, is this going to be me for life? And I really wanted to try and do something new. And I'd been working on corporate venturing and corporate innovation projects for Rolls-Royce. And so I'd been starting to see, I was based in Bristol at the time in a project, I'd started to see the organizations a bit of an insight into the startup world and meet some of the people so it was quite exciting but honestly it was one of a few options that I was looking at I'll be always very grateful to you know the University of West of England and Oxford Innovation who Oxford Innovation manage and deliver the Future Space Innovation Center for UAE and I guess they took a chance on me to be the center director there when the role came along someone who you know corporate strategy background, a lot of breadth, a lot of business knowledge, but I hadn't worked with startups. I hadn't had a deep connection to one facility and, you know, they took a chance and I've loved it ever since. Yeah, landing in this area and the support that people gave and this collective approach to make a difference, I've not looked back since really. Amazing. I'm really glad that you are around. You seem to be a very competent leader, as far as I can tell as an external person anyway. Oh, thank you. And I've really enjoyed working with you on the events and I really enjoyed having you on today. We are almost out of time, but we do have time in case you wanted to get anything else out before you say goodbye. Probably just for all of this, I haven't said 
thank you enough and appreciative to the teams I've always been lucky enough to pick up. You know, in the diversity and inclusion, for example, as I said, it was following on great leadership and great teams before. I feel very privileged and in Future Space and Engine Shed and Set Squared to have always joined this incredible group of ambitious people who are ambitious just to make an impact in the world. That's what jumps out in the university venturing space for me. I think from the outside in, when you look at venture capital and startup and spin out, we maybe talk about the big money numbers too much. I was guilty of doing it at the start when actually from the founders to those working in it and supporting it, the unifying thing is on the whole, they're working in it because it's exciting, it's fun, but you can see the difference they're making in the world. It's not many jobs you get to go in and look at one day be helping a company with cancer therapeutics, the next creative technology, then the next a tangible thing you could think could make a difference on net zero. And yeah, the enthusiasm of my team across Set Squared and the partners in Set Squared is what gets me in every day. And it's what makes it a great job. Amazing. Those are really good closing words. Marty, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been a great pleasure. Oh, great. Thanks, Thierry. Look forward to catching up again soon. Beyond the Breakthrough is hosted by me, Thierry Hales. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. The podcast is produced by Global University Venturing, a Morsonia Limited publication. You can find out more about us at globalventuring.com forward slash university. You can also find us on LinkedIn as Global University Venturing and on Twitter at GU Venturing. You can reach out to me directly if you want. My email is thehelis at globalventuring.com. That is T-H-E-L-E-S at globalventuring.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss future releases. And if you feel so inclined, why not recommend this podcast to your colleagues? We'll be back next week with an episode from our sister podcast, CBC Unplugged, featuring Owen Thompson. Here is a brief clip from that conversation. At that early stage, we do have to step in quite substantially on the business side of the role. And that's everything from helping with negotiation with the spin-out itself to getting all the governance in place. We can't possibly expect someone who's spent a career in academia to immediately be completely au fait with all the legal documentation, everything that's required, or to have the liquidity to pay for it all immediately during the early part of that spin-out process. So we will step in and cover all of those roles. And my point in coming in so very early on when there aren't measurable metrics is that the market research side of what we do has to be incredibly, it has to have an incredible amount of depth because at that stage when all we're looking at is a very nascent technology or some very early IP, we really need to understand the potential for market impact before we decide to do the spin out. So part of when we're coming in very early on and broaching the commercial side, part of our responsibility is to come into massive levels of market research and validation to prove that should this mature into a, into a product line later on, there is a proper commercial potential with a, an appropriate market sizing there to justify doing the work.